This morning, if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to go with me to the book of Romans chapter 12 as we spend a few minutes together this morning in the Word of God. I've got some things I want to share with you. You know, we've been in a series in Legacy Church that we've called Free People, and I fully anticipated us to continue in that. Uh, But just as I was getting ready for service and seeking the Lord about some of these things, the Lord really sparked something else in my heart. And I want to take a different direction today than we've been in. And I believe we'll go back to it. As a matter of fact, I was, I was studying uh, this next step in our series about free people and how to live like free people. And I was in the word and praying over it. And I'll be honest with you, I was sitting at my desk. It's actually a lot like this at the house. And I just sort of put my head down like this in prayer. And I think... I think I actually dozed off. And if there are any preachers watching this right now, just just a word of advice. If you fall asleep while preparing for the message, don't be, a, don't be shocked if the people fall asleep while you're preaching the message. And I did, I kind of dozed off for a minute. But in the middle of it, man, the Lord woke me up and quickened something else on the inside of me. And, and I believe we need to be obedient to that this morning. In the book of Romans... The 12th chapter, and we'll have these scriptures on the screen for you as well. But Paul is writing here and he says in verse one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I'm coming to you, like we said a moment ago, from the sanctuary here at Legacy Church. And as you can tell, it is a work in progress. We are under construction right now. And I believe the word that that the Lord has for us this morning is perfect. It's perfect in its timing. It's perfect for right where we are physically where I'm sitting today, where we are as a church, where we are in this building process. I want to talk to you today about being under construction, under construction. This scripture that we're reading here in Romans chapter 12, verse two says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You know, there's pressure The world brings pressure to bear around us all the time to look like them, sound like them. That's the pressure that the church is under. That's the pressure that Christians are under. And and it seems to be increasing all the time. But this word conformed, if you look it up, it literally means to have an outward appearance that does not look like what's going on inside. And for the believer to to look like the world, to sound like the world, to live like the rest of the world around us, that's to put on something on the outside that does not match what God is doing on the inside. See, when you were born, when you were born again, there was a grace deposit that was put on the inside of you, on the inside of me. And this entire Christian life is all about learning how to draw up by faith out of that grace deposit. 
What the Spirit of God has done on the inside of us is so big. It's so new. The scripture says that old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's what's going on right now inside of you. But that's why the scripture says, don't be conformed. Don't put something on the outside that doesn't match what's going on on the inside. He says instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed literally means to let what's going on in you produce what's going on on the outside, produce what's going on around you. It's the word where we get metamorphosis. That's this word that's translated transformed is to let what's going on in you come out of you. What's going on on the outside is supposed to match what's going on on the inside. You know, I used to preach about this and I'd laugh about it. I would think about, um, you know, a, a husband and a wife and, and a husband, they're going out or something like that. And the husband goes into the, into the bedroom, into the closet to put on his clothes for going out. And he comes out and his wife looks at him and says, is that what you're going to wear? Now, listen, I know it sounds like a question, but it's not a question. It's a statement. And the statement is that is not what you're going to wear. And the husband looks at it and he looks at her. He's like, what? What's wrong with this? You know, and it's stripes and it's plaids and it's shorts with black socks and sandals. I don't know what it is, but whatever's going on, she doesn't approve. She says it doesn't match. It's not right. Go back in there. Take that off and put something else on. Is that what you're going to wear? And there is, believe it or not, a spiritual application to this as well. You know, when you step into a situation, be it one like what's going on around us right now, or maybe confrontation or whatever it is, and something's about to come out of your mouth, something that does not sound like faith, something that does not sound like love, and you are about to let somebody have it. If you'll listen, the Spirit of God that's in you will speak up and say, uh, <clears throat> Is that what you're going to wear? Is that what you're about to put on? Because that does not match what's going on on the inside. That's what this word to be transformed literally means. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, listen to this, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your life and mine is supposed to be living proof. Number one, that there is a God. And number two, that he's got a good will for your life, that his will for you is good. Your life is supposed to be living proof of what it's like to live in the middle of God's good will, his perfect will, to live a life that is acceptable and pleasing to him. I mean, is there something else you want your life to prove? Is there some other proof or evidence that you want to come out of your life? This is the way we're supposed to be living. And the way he said you get there is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I bring it back to this environment that we're in right now, and you can tell just by looking around us that there is a transformation that's right now taking place 
in this room. When we got here, we, we bought this building, we closed on it about a year ago now. We came in and you may have heard me say it, but this place needed a lot of love. As a matter of fact, the room we're in right now was a gymnasium and it had this blue kind of rubbery vinyl floor on it. And, and there was back here behind me, there was this giant, I, I think it was a mountain lion, but it was cross-eyed. That's all I know about it. This giant cross-eyed mountain lion painted on the wall. I think it must've been the mascot of the people that were here before us. And it just needed a lot of work. This place needed a lot of love. There was water damage. There was some mold in some places. And we needed to come in here and begin a transformation process. But part of that, what that means is we had to put this place under construction. And I've taken several minutes here, but I'm trying to set this up and tell you that, that this building and what's happening right now is not the only thing that's under construction. You are. I am. The people that fill this room now and the people that will come to it in the future, we're all under construction. As a matter of fact, that was the statement I heard as I was preparing, sleeping, uh, getting ready for this service this morning. I, I woke up when the Spirit of God said to me on the inside, we're all under construction. And I thought it would be good if we took a few minutes. I wanted to uh, walk you through what I've learned and what I've experienced, Sarah and I and our entire team, as the result of being under construction. And I believe there's some parallels that we can draw from what's going on in this room to what's going on and should be going on in our hearts and in our minds. If you look at the scripture in the book of Romans chapter 12, he tells you the way to that transformation. Or in other words, here's how the transformation takes place. And believe me, I wish the transformation took place, you know, just with laying on of hands, right? That would be great. As much as I would love to just come into this building, lay my hands on it and say, sanctuary be, be healed, room, be whole. You know what? It doesn't work that way. In the same way, the transformation that's supposed to be taking place in our lives doesn't, doesn't just come because somebody lays hands on you. It doesn't just come as the result of praying. There is a construction process that has to be begun and walked out in our lives. And there's some things that we've learned and experienced just with this process because we've never tackled a project like this before. We've done a little bit of building back when we lived in Texas, but nothing like this thing. I mean, this is a brand new beast to us. And we're talking about a multi-million dollar building project and construction project. And there are so many facets of this that are brand new to us and we're learning things every day. But in the middle of it, you sit back for a minute and you say, okay, I, I get why people don't like doing this. <laughs> I, I'm starting to understand why this is not for everybody. And in that same train of thought, you begin to see why people so resist change and transformation in their lives because it doesn't come just because somebody prayed for you or laid hands on you. It comes by the renewing of your mind. Now that word renewing, if you look it up, it literally means remodel. 
It literally means remodel. And that's a concept we are so familiar with, especially in our culture, well, forever. I mean, people have been remodeling places like this and other places for a long time. But at some point in the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, remodel became something people loved to watch with the advent of reality shows and these shows that would take a crew, a team of people into an old place, a beat down place or something and watch what we could do in a week, right? And they remodel it and they make it beautiful. And this whole remodel process is something I think people are fascinated and they love watching. Uh, I don't know that they always love going through it, especially when it comes to being remodeled in our heart, remodeled in the way we think. But like I said, this building's not the only thing under construction. You are and I am. Let me tell you some of the things we've learned about the construction process, about the building process, and some of the reasons I believe people shy away from it. And we'll draw some of these parallels to the construction that we're under in our hearts and in our minds as well. Number one, you know what I found out about building? It's expensive. Yeah, this thing is expensive. It costs a lot. And one of the reasons people stay away from building or remodeling or renewing things is because when they look at how much it's going to cost, they, they can't see past what they have into the future of what they could have, what they could produce. In other words, they look at the bank and they think, well, you know, we could do it, but it sure is nice to see that money sitting there in the bank. Now, if, if money was the most valuable thing to me or to Sarah, then we would not be doing this right now. I mean, we, we have seen God miraculously provide, just like we talked about a moment ago. I mean, this buy up and build out project account, it's just growing and growing and growing. And God is so faithful to provide for it. But if in the middle of that, what if I decided, you know what? It's sure, all that money sitting there sure is a, a lovely sight. I think what we'll do instead of building and remodeling is we'll just do nothing and look at the money that's sitting there. And I know that sounds silly, but that's the, uh, that's the way a lot of people think. They can't see past what they've got into what they could produce, what they could have. And that's a big part of the reason people resist change in the renewing of their mind and in the renewing and the remodel of the way they think. I want to show you this from the book of Philippians. Take a look at this with me in chapter 3. In Philippians chapter three, you know what? I'm gonna read this to you from the New Living Translation. If you don't have that, we'll put that on the screen for you. But Paul is writing here and in Philippians chapter three, I'll just begin reading in verse four. He said, he said, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. He said, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable. You notice that? 
He said, I once thought these things, everything he just listed here. I mean, he's basically given us his resume. He's given us his pedigree. This is where I was born. This is the family I came out of. This is the position I held. It's like I went to Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, sucker. I mean, he's got this big, long resume. And he said, I once thought that these things were valuable. I once thought that these things are what added value to me. He said, in verse seven, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I wanna suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. See, what happened was Paul had a change in his value system, in what was precious and valuable to him. He said all this stuff, being a Hebrew among Hebrews, being a Pharisee, being born of the tribe of Benjamin, all this stuff, he said, I used to think that was valuable. And if you notice, every one of these things are things that make you something in somebody else's eyes. All of these things are what make you appear important to other people. But then he had this, this shift and this change and this remodel in the way he thought about what was actually valuable. And he came to the conclusion that what other people think of me is worthless. What Jesus says of me is precious, is valuable. Other people knowing me and me knowing other people used to be valuable, but now me knowing Jesus and him knowing me is all that matters. That is basically what he's saying is that is what makes me a rich man. You see, one of the reasons people have such a hard time when it comes to the renovation and the remodel of their own mind and the way they think and what they believe is because so much of the time it requires them to care less about what other people think. It requires us to stop valuing what we believe other people's opinions are and start valuing what Jesus has done and what Jesus says about you. One of the reasons people don't like to remodel is because it's expensive. Yeah, the renewing and the remodeling of the mind is expensive. It's gonna cost you the opinions of other people. It's gonna cost you what you had your value and your worth tied up in. But when you realize that that cost is nothing compared to the gain. See, that's where we are right now with this building. The cost, you know what? The, the money required is nothing 
compared to what we're going to get out of this. And what we get out of this is a place to preach the uncompromised word of faith. What we get out of this is people coming into this place uh, lost and leaving found. People coming into this place broken and leaving healed. People coming in sick and leaving restored. Marriages coming in on their last leg, falling apart, but they, they encounter Jesus. They encounter the anointing that's on the word of God and it gets put back together and they leave this place changed forever. I don't care how many millions of dollars you got to spend on that. Money is nothing compared to people's lives being changed by the anointing and by the presence of God. You know, you've heard us say it, that the foundation for this church is in the book of Ephesians chapter three, that says to him be glory in this church by Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's what we want. And that's what we will have in this church. Whatever brings him glory. Whatever makes God look good, that's what we're going to have. And if salvation brings Him glory, we will have it. If healing brings Him glory, that's what we will have. If deliverance and peace and joy and prosperity brings glory to the name of Jesus, that's what we'll have in this place. And there is no expense too great or too much or too high. It's worth it. Why are we building and remodeling and renewing? even though it's expensive, because we're looking past what we've got to what we can have. Don't let the cost talk you out of the renewing and the remodeling of your own mind and your heart and the way you think and believe. Let me keep going in this. Uh, another big reason I believe people are so resistant and don't like this building process and the remodel process. Here's, here's, here's one for you. It takes longer than you want it to. See, that's what we found out. <laughs> that's what we've learned through this whole process is it takes a lot longer than you really want it to. I mean, we moved up here with these grand plans. Let's see, we'll get there in the summer. We can start church by the fall. That seems easy, right? It takes longer than you want it to. This remodel, this reconstruction process always seems to take longer than you want it to, than you intended it to. But the scripture has something to say about that as well. Go to the book of Hebrews and let's look in the 10th chapter. This is where we were as we were talking about our offering tonight, today, excuse me. But it says in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, begin in the 32nd verse. He says, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now, this is what we read a few minutes ago. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need, he said, of endurance. You have need of endurance. I believe it's the King James Bible and maybe other translations say, you need patience. Listen, if the Bible says you need patience, what do you need? 
You need patience. I know the remodel process, and I'm finding this out, takes longer than you want it to. But what do you need when something's taken longer than you want it to? You need patience. Now, oftentimes we hear this word patient and we immediately think, you know, tapping foot, arms folded, staring at the clock. When's it going to happen? I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But patience is not so much about waiting as it is about the condition in which you wait. Now, this is a big reason that people resist change, not just in the natural, not just building a natural building, but in the remodel, in the renewing of the mind is they get tired of how long it takes. I just want to be different and I want to be different now. But you need patience. You need endurance. You need to let God go to work in you and you need to give him time. It takes time sitting under the word of God. This is actually what I was studying when the Lord redirected me. But in the book of John chapter eight, Jesus said, the, the Bible says, Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. Other translations say abide, but they mean the same thing, to abide, to continue, to stay. Just stay with it. I, I know we've all seen failures and shortcomings and mistakes in our lives and we want to be different. We want to think different. We want to live different. Yes, I want a life that proves the existence of God. Yes, I want to live a life that proves His will is good. Yes, we want to live what we read there in Romans chapter 12, but the renewing of the mind is a process that requires time. Don't throw away your faith. Let me remind you what the Spirit of God is saying to us. We're all under construction. I know it takes longer than you want it to, but through faith and patience, we inherit the promise. In other words, when you run out of patience, you're out of faith. You have no more faith than you do patience and endurance. And the scripture tells us you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Say it out loud. Lord, I need patience. Lord, if you say I need endurance, I need endurance. And there is such pressure and there's such, such temptation to quit the process before it's over. Don't throw away your faith. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. You are not a quitter. And I don't care if you've quit everything you've ever started from this day forward. Your pastor said it. You are not a quitter. Don't throw away your faith. I know it takes longer than you want it to, but give him time. Continue in the word. Continue in the word. That word continue doesn't just mean you hear it. It means you put it into practice. Keep hearing the word and keep doing the word that you hear. Wake up every day and sit down with the word of God again and say, I'm going to see something today. I'm going to hear something today that's going to go to work and remodel me on the inside. 
I'm going to see something. I'm going to hear and receive something from the word of God that, that, that is going to further this construction process that's going on in the way I think and the way I believe. And then you sit there and this is what helps me. I come before the word and if I will sit there with a pen in one hand and a highlighter in the other, it changes the way I see God's word. And I know that sounds silly, but think about it. Just by, just by having these two things in my hand, it's a posture of expectation. I'm sitting here believing that I'm going to see something, something worth making a note about, something worth highlighting and, and causing it to stand out in my thinking. And it changes the way I approach the word of God. And Jesus said, if you continue in it, if you'll just stay with it. Why do people so fight and resist the process of change? Because it takes long. But listen, time's going by anyway. You might as well be staying with this, stick with this and watch God and his word go to work in your life and do what only his word can do. So we're talking about being under construction, talking about the, the construction process and, and a lot of reasons why people are resistant to it and why you and I, we are not going to resist it. Uh, we've talked about it's expensive. We've talked about it takes longer than you want it to. Here's one for you. To, to, to commit to this construction process, you have to be open to making changes. You've got to be open to corrections. And that's a big reason that people resist the renewing the remodeling, the renovation of the mind because it's going to require being corrected. And people don't like it. They don't want to be corrected. It's not fun to be told you are wrong. I get it. I've been told that. But if you, we're, we're here in the book of Hebrews, just, just look over a couple of chapters into chapter 12. We're talking about endurance and that's what this chapter is about as well. It says in verse five, my son, do not despise the chastening. That means correction, the correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. That's a strong word for whom the Lord loves. He chastens or he corrects and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening or correction, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not correct? To go through and to commit to this remodel process, the renewing of the mind, the ripping out of old ways of thinking and the building up of new ways, strong ways, a firm foundation built on the word of God it's going to require some correction. And we've experienced that even naturally speaking with this building process. We had some things in mind, some things we wanted to do. And then you bring in these people who are like, well, that's not code and you can't do that. And you can't put that there and you can't do this like that. You know, it's correction and you gotta be open to it. You gotta be willing to, to make some changes, but don't resist the renewing of your mind. Don't resist the transformation that can take place if you'll yield to that just because you got to receive some correction. Now, there's a difference between being corrected and receiving correction. 
And people, as parents, you know this, you've got a child, you know the difference between correcting them and then when they've actually received it and heard it and changed as a result of it. Man, God has put people in our lives because he loves us. He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And a big part of the spirit of God's job within you is to reveal Jesus to you. And as you see Jesus, you're looking at perfection. And that perfection, when you behold perfection, it will bring correction. Because you see him and then you look back and you go, okay, wait a second. This is not looking like that. So what do I need to do to make this look more like that? Now that is already on the inside of you. That is the grace deposit that was put in you when you were born again. But the Spirit of God will convict each and every one of us and say, you see this over here? This needs to be changed. You hear this thought? You hear these words? Let's not say it like that. We don't think like that. That doesn't match what's going on in here. That's correction. And you got to be open to it. And people love to think, well, I'll get my correction, you know, from God. He can tell me if I'm doing something wrong. That's not exactly how it works. God has put people in each one of our lives, ministry gifts, pastors, leaders, different ones that he speaks to and he speaks through. And sometimes it comes through the voice of correction. And I know it's not fun, but if we will receive it, not just hear it, actually receive it. Then we get to experience this whole other facet of the love of God that if you're not receiving and if you're not open to correction, there's this whole part of his love that you're never experiencing. It's the scripture told us that he, uh, he deals with you as a son If you're not receiving correction, then there there is a whole part of this father and child relationship that you're not getting if you're not receiving correction. But people don't want to go through this rebuilding process because of all the changes that they're going to have to make. I don't want to do that if I got to change this, if I got to change that. And you know, I got to be honest with you, as a church, not just, not legacy church, but the church in general. We have told people for years and years and years, generations, decades, centuries maybe, come as you are. You've heard that said before, come as you are. And you know, that, that's good and it's right. And, and, and that I believe is the heart of God, that he's not waiting on you to get everything fixed up and made right. He's not waiting on you to go through the whole remodel process and then come to him. No, I believe that's good and it's right. Come as you are. If you remember last week during our resurrection service, we looked at Luke chapter 15, where the prodigal son took that step and came home and the father came running to him and the father said, quick, Go get a robe, go get the best robe and put it on him. That was his robe, the father's robe. That is the robe of righteousness. And I love that word, quick, do it right now. Don't wait for him to go get cleaned up. I mean, man, this guy came home covered in pig stink. But the father said, quick, clothe him. Quick, put a ring on his finger. That's identity, that's authority. He said, quick, put sandals on his feet. 
If you understand that, then you know that it was the slaves and the servants in the home that were barefoot, but the sons, the sons had shoes on their feet. And this kid came home and he said, I just want to be a servant. He said, no, I'll put shoes on those feet and do it now. Do it quick. So yes, there, there is truth to us saying, come as you are. You don't got to go through this remodel process before you come to God. But I think somewhere along the way in telling people come as you are, we gave them the impression that what we meant was stay that way. But that's not what we're saying. That's not what the word is saying. What we should be saying is, yes, come as you are, but leave as he is. Come as you are into the presence of God, but then let his word go to work in you and change and remodel and renew from the inside out. Yeah, come as you are. I know we we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Bring it. He can handle it. And I'm saying as the head of this church and the pastor of this church representing me and my wife, Sarah, come as you are. You are welcome. These doors are open, but come with an openness and a readiness and an excitement about changing, about coming into the presence of God and being transformed as you hear the word, as you sit under the word, as you let the word of God go to work in your life. Let it do the work on the inside that produces a change on the outside. And man, I know I know it is not politically correct to tell anybody that they need to change anything. And we have just gotten so used to just telling people, hey, you're you're just beautiful, just like you are. You're just perfect. You don't have to change a thing. You just be you and you just live your truth. But what if the person you're talking to is nuts? What if the person you're talking to is crazy and stupid and messed up. They don't need to stay that way. And until you meet Jesus, that is you. We're all that way. And it takes takes seeing him for who he is, and it takes knowing how he sees us to bring change into our lives. Don't resist the remodel process. We're all under construction. And then let me say this to you. In closing, musicians, band, if you guys want to make your way back up. We've talked about the fact that being under construction is expensive. I get it. I know it. But it's worth it. And that no, no, nothing you would try to hold on to in an effort to, to get your value from some natural accomplishment or to get your value from some person's opinion, none of that compares to knowing Jesus. We got to be like Paul and say, I count it all loss. It's just like this remodel process in here. I would very gladly spend and be spent for your sake. I look forward to absolutely emptying out that buy up and build out account because when that thing's empty, it means this place is full. So there is no expense too high or too great. And and, and there's no expense worth saving to not go through this remodel process and the renovation of your mind. It's worth it because the transformation and what it turns you into is glorious. 
It's a life that proves the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Uh, why do people resist this change and this construction? It takes longer than you want it to, but through faith and patience, you inherit the promise. Why do people resist it? Because you got to be open to correction. But if you let him correct you, it's proof he loves you. And then finally, this is one of the big ones to me. To, To go through this construction process, you have to be able to see the future. It requires eyes to see the future. And all the way through this building process and this room that we're in and throughout this entire building, one of the things that Sarah and I and our team have to keep doing is we have to keep our eyes on what it will be, not on what it is right now. Man, it is so easy and it is so distracting to walk into this room. And even though progress is being made, you walk in and you're like, man, when is this going to be done? But what you've got to do is learn how to keep your eyes on what it will be, not on what it is right now. If you keep your eyes fixed on what it will be, that will energize you all the way through the process. That's why we start with these plans and these renderings. I mean, we can put some of these things on the screen for you right now and show you what this sanctuary is going to look like. And this is what we've got our eyes on. This is what we're looking at. And if we'll keep our eyes not on what it is right now, what it is right now, to be honest, it could be discouraging. What, if you look at it midway through the process, you, it would be easy to think, th- this isn't what it needs to look like. When are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? But if you will keep your eyes on what it will be, that will strengthen you all the way through. And the scripture says, well, we're here in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a race that's in front of you and you need endurance to run this race. Where do you get that? By keeping your eyes on Jesus. And in 1 John chapter three, the scripture says, behold, What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. He's saying, look at the love, man. Behold this, look at it. Put your eyes on how much you're loved. You wanna know how much God loves you? He calls you his child. Parents, listen to me. Those of you, you've got children. You ever been tempted to not claim them? You ever been tempted to go, I don't know whose kid that is. Wives, have you ever been tempted to look at your husband and say, that's your son. (laughs) She's your daughter. You ever been tempted to not claim them as your children because of something they're doing or some way they're acting? Well, here's the good news about God. He will never not claim you. No matter the stuff, that the mess that we get ourselves into, no matter the foolish ways we act, he still calls you his child. That's love, man. That is love. Verse two, beloved, now we are children of God and it's not yet been revealed what we will be, but we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. You have to keep your eyes on what you will be, 
not just what you are right now, what you will be. Let the Word and the Holy Spirit in you paint a picture of where He's taking you. And you know how He does that? By showing you Jesus. By showing you Jesus. And when you see Him, you will be like Him, for you will see Him as He is. So all the way through this remodel and renovation process, you got to keep your eyes on what will be not on what is. And before we dismiss, Sarah is going to lead us in another song, but I want to read this scripture to you out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. And this is from the Passion Translation. He's talking about you. He says, you are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives are being built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Now he says, this entire building is under construction. Now he's not talking about a physical, natural building. He's talking about you. He's talking about me and the fact that we are being built up and that this entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. You and I together, we're under construction, but we're headed somewhere. Just like this place that we're sitting in right now. It's under construction, but we've got our eyes, not just on what it is, but on what it will be. And then finally, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, again from the Passion Translation. Come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. That's what you and I are. We're a sanctuary. And yeah, we may be under construction, but this construction process is worth it. There's no expense too great, too high, or too much. It doesn't matter the length of time that it takes. It doesn't matter what corrections we have to make. What God is building in us is something beautiful. And it's a sanctuary where He can fill it up with His presence. So this tonight is just to encourage you, hey, we're all under construction. Don't be discouraged and don't be so hard on the people around you. Why? Because they're under construction just like you are. Give them the same grace God is giving you. Give them the same amount of time that God is giving you. You're under construction. They are. I am. This place is. But glory to God, this place will be finished soon and very soon in Jesus' name. And you and I too, we're headed for something glorious. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over the Legacy Church family, our family. 
We bless them today in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the, for the, the work that you've begun in us. Your word says that you are faithful to finish it. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. And the good work that you've begun, Lord, we know you will complete it. So, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, as a family, we yield ourselves to this construction process. And we want you to know, Father, that there is, that there is no expense that we will hold back. This is not too expensive for us. Whatever you're asking us to let go of, we gladly let go of it. And just like Paul, we count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. And we press towards that mark. And Lord, we thank you for supplying for this natural place, this building, this, this church, this sanctuary. And Lord, we would gladly spend and be spent to do what it takes to create a place where people from this community and places around the world can come and be changed by your word and your anointing. We give you glory for it, Lord. And we want you to know, Father, that if you say we need endurance, we need endurance. And so we ask you for it. And we're not impatient. We'll let you go to work on the inside of us and build and build and build and lay foundation that cannot be shaken. We give you praise. And Father, we love to hear your voice. We love to hear your voice as you speak to us through your word. We love to hear your voice as you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And even if your voice comes to us in the form of correction, we love it. We love it because it proves you love us. We worship you, Lord. We give you praise. And Father, whatever it is, you are taking us to whatever it is you're transforming us into. We ask you by the help of your Holy Spirit to paint a picture on the inside so that we have something to set our eyes on. Jesus, we set our eyes on you. We look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith and as our example. And when we see you, we will be like you. Thank you for transforming us and turning us into your holy sanctuary. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.